The race to 5G is on, and the battle for talent is getting fierce. Welcome to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, a podcast dedicated to helping you face the future workforce head on. Navigate this challenging talent landscape with innovative strategies to attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. Only here on 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Hello and welcome to 5G Talent Talk. I am your host, Carrie Charles. And I am absolutely thrilled to have me today, Alexandra Roche. I have a few things to say about Alexandra because she is a pretty amazing woman. She is the founder and CEO of Kaban Systems. Alex is an engineer, an entrepreneur, an environmentalist, and clean energy evangelist. I love that. In 2019, she made the Forbes 30 under 30 list. Congratulations, that's huge. In 2020, she was awarded the Rising Star of the Year at the Global Women and Elco Awards. I was actually a judge for that in 2020. So Alex, welcome to 5G Talent Talk. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Yes, yes. So I'm dying to hear more about your journey and how was Kaban Systems born? Like, what is your why? No, really good question. You know, I ask myself that all the time. I'll say it's not <laughs> a one-time question. So my background is in engineering. I've always been enamored with the idea of removing of removing contaminants from the environment. I started off in the automotive space, uh, designing systems and designing electric vehicles to remove any type of pollutants from the environment. And having grown up in a developing country, a lot of the infrastructure that's still used today still has a lot of fossil fuels. So in fact, I was at a at a dinner party in Mexico City and quickly realized that uh, in a conversation that we were having, that a lot of the infrastructure that's still there today uses fossil fuel. And so immediately I thought any infrastructure that uses fuel, is, it's a business opportunity, it's an opportunity to remove and improve the conditions of the infrastructure. And so with the mix of my background in battery design and commercialization of products, yeah, that's how that's how Kaban was born. Wow, that's so exciting. So tell me more about Kaban Systems, the products, the services, what problem does the company solve? Sure. So we work with, we specifically focus on the design and manufacturing of lithium ions energy storage solutions. So we manufacture and design the controllers, all the firmware, the cloud-based infrastructure. And we specifically work with both operators and tower companies to improve reliability, decrease operational expenses, and modernize their network. Uh, we work in sites that our platform works in sites that don't have any grid connectivity. But recently, we've been integrating our solution into sites that are grid connected. In fact, we can actually interact with a grid consuming power on site, but also we also have the ability to push energy back to the grid. So we really become an intricate part of active infrastructure within the site. So you said you work with operators and tower companies. Are, are those your only customers? Are, tell me a little bit about all your customers that you serve. So yes, today we operate all over the Americas. We're operational in about 12 countries. The majority of all of the our customers are either, like I said, operators. So this would be a good example is Liberty Latin America Flow would be in, in the Caribbean. 
Claro, the America Mobile as a whole, we're starting to implement solutions in the US, T-Mobile and, and AT&T. And more specifically, when we work with tower companies, we offer the ability to provide sort of infrastructure sharing. Today, you have three operators in sites that are co-located. You have three operators. Each individual operator uses a specific set of power equipment. And what we're trying to move into is actual infrastructure sharing. So your levelized cost of energy or your cost per kilowatt hour actually goes down if you are able to share some of the infrastructure that you implement. Hmm. So let's explore this term carbon neutral. I've heard it quite a bit lately. What exactly does it mean? And what's the role of clean power infrastructure? Yeah, good question. For anybody who hasn't really been around in the space, it's a hard thing to grasp. You and I, when we're walking around the city and we pick up our phones, we think, well, there's a tower nearby. We don't really think about the supply chain aspects of a call that we're trying to make. But the reality is that Anything that goes into providing power or even providing any type of support to the infrastructure, there's a supply chain to that. And there's an implication to that supply chain. And when we talk about carbon neutral, that really means offsetting all of the energy that you're consuming on site with a renewable energy-based solution. So it isn't just buying carbon credits. That's not enough. It's really figuring out how to minimize and completely eliminate fossil fuel uses on the site, whether it's a backup diesel generator that you're using as your secondary source of power, or even better, if the current electricity that you're using from the utilities is very carbon intense, how to minimize the amount of energy that you're utilizing from the electric grid. In the Caribbean, for example, and in a lot of nations, it is 98%, 99% of the generated for grid consumption comes from coal, oil, even worse, bunker fuel. And so what we try to minimize is not only what you're consuming on site, but what is really the long-term impact of consuming power from the electric grid. Wow, this is a world that I was not aware of. This is so exciting. Now, there is a digitization in the telecommunications industry, and we know that. So what does it mean to decarbonize data? And, and why is this even important? When we talk about digitalization, and I'm going to sort of divide the two topics, when we try to digitalize infrastructure, you know, in the, in the past, a lot of infrastructure has been, I would call it analog. The equipment turns on, you have a signal, and you don't really know much about it. You know that it's either on or it's off. You get a feedback into whether or not it's on or off but you don't know its performance. You don't really know if it's efficient. You don't really know if there's anything to be improved. And let alone, you don't also know whether or not the equipment actually needs maintenance to perform better. And so when I think about digitalizing infrastructure, it's moving away from an analog system into a system that actually provides way more information that you need to make an educated decision and then eventually to automate that decision. So that really means I get a lot of, we have sensors in the equipment throughout the entire equipment and we have logic that says, well, if the system's behaving this way, I'm going to make an automated assumption that this is how it should behave. And so all of a sudden you really become a more intelligent system that can now self-sufficiently operate. We do this through IoT, really, we have hardware systems and it's software that's not only embedded, but also cloud-based. And that's really what an IoT device is. And so we're really moving into a more connected world that way. 
And when we talk about decarbonizing data, it's really how do we think about the amount of CO2 or grams of CO2 equivalent that we're emitting as a function of a megabyte of data that we consume. So that's really the metric that I'm trying to get companies to start measuring. And I'm not talking about just becoming carbon neutral as a company. I'm talking about really looking at the life cycle analysis of the amount of fuel that we're actually consuming. Wow. It's just so much deeper as we're talking than uh, it's so exciting. So the future of clean power infrastructure, right? Let's talk about that in mid-level or developing countries. You know, what does that look like? So specifically the future of renewables or the future of... Yeah, like the clean power infrastructure solutions, renewables, like what does this look like? Like looking into the future. And obviously you just said there's some major problems in the world right now. So what does this look like out there? I'm going to start off with the regulatory, because I think that's important to sort of kind of put in the back of our minds. Yes, while sometimes people think developing countries still need to get with a program, well, there's a lot of countries that have very advanced incentives where they do not tax anybody who's importing goods specifically around renewable energy. We don't get taxed on uh, controllers. We don't get taxed on solar panels. We don't get taxed on And this would be your import tariffs or any other duties. Now, you would think the states would be different. But in fact, you actually have a really big tax right now here in the states where it's so I don't think it has to do with like developing or not developing. I think it has to do with the type of agenda that each individual country has with respect to meaning reducing greenhouse gas emissions. I think the landscape in developing countries as a whole is sort of difficult to answer. There are specific countries that are definitely more advanced. I'll point out maybe Colombia. Colombia has really, really advanced sort of laws around augmenting the amount of renewable energy that exists or that they can be, or the amount of development that's happening. Companies like Mexico or the countries like Mexico are going the other opposite direction. And so I don't want to generalize, but I think that there are a lot of advances from a regulatory perspective. Now, from a I think there's sort of behind the meter options and there's in front of the meter options. So behind the meter, that means you generate power, you auto consume, and you're not really bothered by what happens in front of the meter. I think that's always been a pretty loose thing to measure. Not a lot of countries do, but I think that the more and more leasing of energy solutions becomes available, I think more countries will start implementing it. And then behind the meter or in front of the meter, utility scale, I think there's also a lot of movement with things like feeding tariffs, for example, generating power that you're selling it back to the grid and consuming it from credits based on the amount of power you you produced. I think there's, um, again, a lot of countries that have a lot of movement in that part. And I'm really excited Mm. to see what's to come, especially in the Caribbean nations. Yes, yes. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about the rural areas. And I don't know if I'm saying this right, but it's between the grids or where the grids end, or (laughs) maybe I'm not saying it correct. But what are the barriers and challenges to implementing clean power and reliable connectivity there? No, that's a really good question. And yes, it is where the grid ends and then nothing begins. <laughs> right. Okay, good, um, good. I'm so, learning. I'm learning. <laughs> no, this is uh this is why why I like to always talk to new people. But yeah, there's a lot of places where 
for example, you and I want to travel or there's communities today that may not have access to either power nor, nor communication. And the reason, and typically there's no power on these communities or highways or national parks for that matter, there is going to be no cell service unless an operator decides to strategically put a site there and then have it be completely run of fossil fuels. And so what we we enable two things. We enable sites that today are running off of fuel generators and we remove we replace them with completely renewable energy solutions. So power generation and then storage. And then we also enable sites that were never built to begin with because the return on investment or the RPUs on that specific site was never worth it because you were running it on fossil fuels and it was too expensive to run. And so we help transition or we help we enable companies to go to the most remote areas and then provide service, cell services there. And the way that we do that is, you know, helping customers transition away from fossil fuel, not only because it's obviously environmentally not very friendly, but because it's very expensive, there's a lot of theft. I would say there is a risk to running fuel where you have to maintain the generators. You have to go to the site every two weeks. For us, with our equipment, you have to go to the site two times a year. So it really becomes a really lower total cost of ownership from a customer perspective. And then in the past year, we've been moving into energy as a service offerings, whereby we make the investment into the infrastructure and we almost become a utility company on the DC direct current side. And we, we offer energy services to customers. So I'm a tower company. Okay. I own a tower company and, you know, I've just heard some benefits to me for using your services, your products. So would I be safe to say that it's going to be a cost savings for me? I mean, obviously it's doing the right thing for the world, which we all want to do. And I know there's tower companies today that are doing that. I know I interviewed Vertical Bridge and they're on that track. But tell me, what are the benefits to me as a tower company owner for using yeah. your products and services? Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say there's a couple of tower companies that are headed that way. Obviously, Vertical Bridge made the announcement, PTI, Phoenix Tower as well, SBA as well, MTP. There's, there's a lot of companies moving to that direction. I think from a tower company perspective, it isn't that you necessarily are reducing operational expenses for them. You're reducing operational expenses for the operator because ultimately the majority of the operational expenses that any site buries or has to sustain fall on the operator. They don't fall on the tower company. And so what ends up happening is when we work with tower companies, it ends up being a benefit to all three companies. From a tower perspective, they can actually offer, utilize their infrastructure to offer more than just a lease. They now offer power. And so they can actually include that either as part of their lease and offer lease extensions or whatever, uh, whatever they need to offer. But also, if they have three operators, now they're offering energy from a single infrastructure solution to three different operators. So it becomes very mm. attractive. We have a patent on our ability to manage and meter exactly how much energy each individual operator uses, and then therefore offer energy services to the operator. And for the operators, it becomes very attractive because they're utilizing gensets today. And then with this infrastructure, they can actually save you know, anywhere between for on-grid sites all the way to off-grid sites, anywhere between 20 to 60%. Oh, that's exciting. So you are a young woman in a male-dominated industry. I want to ask you, what challenges have you faced, you know, since you founded Kaban Systems and what's helped you succeed? 
I will say, I'll start off with the positives. What's helped me succeed and probably being positive has helped me succeed. You know, we started the company or I started the company with my co-founder, Brian, who's our CTO in right before a global pandemic hit. And we <laughs> never planned on it. Nobody did. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> we had to make very, very difficult decisions along the way. But I think that that's built us up as entrepreneurs and as people. Personally, being young, being a woman in this industry, I think the what's made me you know, be successful is probably being technical. I am an engineer by background. And I think that if you can articulate and really make a point at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if you're young, if you're old, if you're black, if you're white, if you, it doesn't matter. So as long as you know what you're talking about and you can articulate what you're talking about, people listen. That's what I've noticed. And, you know, I have gone by myself all the way to the Middle East on my own in a room full of men, just as well as a room full of men in Mexico City. And there's no difference. Good, good. What advice would you give to women who are listening that want to follow in your footsteps? I would say this isn't easy. And I think that if you really have big dreams, you need to be prepared to work on Sundays and mop the floors. And you need to be prepared to give it everything 20 hours a day. It doesn't matter. Like if you're young, if you have energy and you really have a dream, you have to go for it. But when you do, make sure that you understand that it's not easy. And while sometimes on the outside, it's like, well, the CEO of a startup in Silicon Valley, that's nice to hear, but uh, the reality <laughs> is that you're at a minimum wage, you're hardly making, you're working 20 hours a day. And then on top of it, we're in an industry that's very difficult to enter, very difficult. And it's a long sales cycle. And you know we're making hardware and we're making hardware for a goal global need. And so- I would say, I would say, ask if I were to be starting from scratch and I would have to give advice to myself. I think I would, you know, ask a lot of questions. I would really get educated up front. I would learn how to negotiate from day one, really learn how to negotiate and don't back down. Mm, I love that. That's inspiring. So you've had great success raising capital. And that's huge. In fact, congratulations on your last round of funding. Discuss the challenges with raising capital and the lessons that you've learned as an entrepreneur. I, I think that definitely my perspective is a little bit skewed because of the pandemic and because of you know how we've evolved. I think that if you're raising capital, sort of make sure that it's a relationship that you're building, right? And in the relationship, it's not like you're going to raise capital and never see them again. No. You're going to raise capital and see them more and more and more as years go by. I would say make sure that the people who you're making, who you're fundraising from, are the people you want to have on your board, are the people when things are very difficult, they're going to help you, they're going to listen to you. That would be in my number one. I think if it's a good idea, money will follow. That shouldn't be a concern, but definitely, you know, sort of making sure that the people who you're entering the business with, again, are somebody you want to spend time with. <laughs> uh, and also the importance of having strategic partners is sort of critical. And that the people who are also investing or the funds that are investing, the companies are investing, whether they're strategic or not, they bring some value, whether that's, for example, whether that's product advice, product development, manufacturing, or simply entering to the market. I think there's enough funds out there. Money is money, but money should come with more than just capital. 
And I would say, don't accept money just for the sake of it, but rather really to think through two, three years, five years ahead and figure out if you want to spend time with them. I love your passion. I just absolutely love it. Let's look into the future. What is your vision for Kaban Systems? What's your vision for the world? So for us, we've been laser beam focused on the telecom world. I specifically came into this industry because it's an exciting one. It's one where there hasn't been a lot of disruption on the infrastructure side, a lot of disruption on the front end. But I would say on the infrastructure side, there's a lot of things that even as we've been implementing our solutions, there are things that I already know we could do better and uh, even more opportunities that have come up since then. And I think that our laser beam focus on delivering equipment to our customers that have signed up with us and have trusted us to deliver we have about 800 units in backlog. So that's about 18 months of manufacturing production. So our number one goal is to make sure that those customers are happy with their product and we deliver on time with the quality. I would say number two is we are looking beyond mobile sites into still within the telecom world. And then our solutions, remember, while we're in the this, this important space that's really unique, our solution of renewable energy power generation and storage is applicable to other industries, is very much applicable to manufacturing settings or even commercial, small, residential. And so we would be exploring that in the future. My grand vision is obviously to you know work with the biggest operators around the world. And again, to remain a globalized company that's specific to product development. And one of the things that the best thing that we can offer as a company is innovation. And so I would like to you know stay innovating products and then pushing them to the market. Alex, I have no doubt in my mind that you're going to accomplish all of that and more. <laughs> I cannot wait to see and follow you and watch what you do. I'm sure so many people right now that are listening are thinking, oh, how can I learn more? This is great. How can the audience learn more about Kaban Systems? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have a website, so www.kabansystems.com. We are also on LinkedIn and Facebook, Instagram, you name us. You can drop us a message anywhere within the social media platforms, you know, in it specifically, if you want to talk more strategically or about any needs that you may have, sales at kabansystems.com or info at kabansystems.com. I'm happy to answer any questions. And then if you're curious and want to know more about the technology or more about how you can join Kaban, we are recruiting quite a bit. Yay, we're hiring. Yay. <laughs> yeah, we're hiring. We're opening up an office in Kingston, Jamaica, an office in Bogota, Colombia. We have an office in Mexico City, in, in Guatemala City as well. And obviously, we're hiring a lot here in, in California. We are based out of the Bay Area. And so if you know anybody or are interested in joining us, feel free to email us at hiring at systems.com. Love it. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show. This has really been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Great. We will talk very soon. Take care. Hope so. All right. Thank you for listening to another informative episode of 5G Talent Talk brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. As we advance into the future, we promise to bring you the resources you need to navigate this ever-changing landscape of 5G to help you attract, retain, and engage people in this new world of work. To access the show notes or leave a review, visit broadstaffglobal.com. Until next time.